0: So, um, for those of you who are new here, maybe it's your first time, I'm not the pastor of this church, (laughs) Pastor Mark uh, Ventliff is the pastor, Uh, he's in Craig uh, today teaching, and so he gave me the opportunity to teach and share the word with you all tonight, I never take that lightly, so I wanted to say publicly thank you to Pastor Mark for allowing me to do this, Um, and we are continuing in our... 21 days of prayer and fasting, we're on day 23 of the month, so we're extending it a little bit, Um, but we're going to continue to teach on prayer, um, because prayer is the principal thing, and really, um, I can't remember who said this quote, I have a really hard time remembering who says what, Um, sometimes I have a hard time remembering what the Bible says, like where it's at, but I just know it's somewhere, (laughs) Um, but you know, it says, "You'll, you'll be able to tell me, it seems that God can do nothing in the earth unless man... John Wesley, unless man ask him, right? <laughs> yeah, teamwork makes the dream work, right? And so we got to ask, and that's really what prayer is all about. It's talking with God, it's asking, it's petitioning, it's interceding. Um, so we need, to, we need to get an understanding of prayer. So that's what I'm going to be talking about tonight, uh, in case you didn't know. But uh, we'll be talking uh, more about uh, secret prayer, All right. So turn to your neighbor and say, shh, it's a secret. All right. Um, I didn't give the sound booth my notes, so I apologize. You'll just have to bear with me and, and go to the scriptures on the fly. Um, turn to Matthew 6, if you would. Uh, Matthew 6, um, starting in verse 5, and we'll read um, to verse 13. And this is Jesus talking. He says, and when you pray, right? So Jesus doesn't say, um, if you pray. Jesus says, when you pray. So he's assuming that if you're a believer, you should be fully aware that prayer is not optional, but prayer is really a necessity, okay? I said that just earlier. Prayer is the principal thing. Jesus says, when you pray. You know, he doesn't give you an option. We should be praying. The Bible talks about that through the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, a lot of times when you see things referenced and highlighted in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you know that God means business, right? Right? That's what we're supposed to be doing. You know, we're supposed to be praying at all times, right? Pray without ceasing. That's what Paul says. So Jesus says, when you pray, right? It's not optional. It's a necessity. So he says this, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Verse six, but you, when you pray, go into your room And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Verse 8. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. So tonight, this is all about secret prayer. Turn to your neighbor again and say, Neighbor... There are some things that I pray that are none of your business. (laughs) And turn to your other neighbor and say, and that includes you. (laughs) Right? Secret prayer. Okay? The power of secret prayer. So, if you were here a number of years ago, I taught on this. Um, And then if you were here for corporate prayer, I kind of taught on some of this too a few weeks ago. So, none of this is uh, new. But hey, we can always get something out of the Word of God, um, no matter if you've heard it once, twice, a thousand times, um, it can always become life, and the cool thing about the Word of God is that it's always, uh, uh, it's not shifting and changing, but your view of it can be, so that's what Revelation is, a peeling back of the layers, right? Revelation, I think of Shrek, you know, ogres are like onions, They have layers, right? Lots of layers. the Word of God. It has lots of layers. So it means one thing one day, and God reveals something else to you, and it means something entirely new, and you get more and more revelation on the Word of God. That's that's like the only book that I know of um, that can mean you can get revelation, new revelation each and every time you read it, because it's alive, and it's active, and it has the power to transform your life, right? The Word of God. So, all right. uh, Let me just get into this. So I got married... I'm glad my wife's not in the room. Four years ago, and uh, it was great. Destination wedding, you know, uh, relax, it was Mesa, Arizona. Um, I like to say that because people think like, oh, is it Cabo? No, Mesa, Arizona. (laughs) But I don't tell them that. I just say destination wedding because it sounds cool. Um, There's a few things that I learned um, right before I got married. First of all, that it was really expensive Um, I didn't know how expensive it would be. And I feel like in the counseling that I got, uh, I wasn't made fully aware of how expensive. And I'm not just talking about like the wedding day because, you know, Formally, like the, the wife's family, the, the bride's family takes care of that. But afterwards, like just being married, you know, I'm used to spending, you know, seven sixty eight at McDonald's, but now I'm spending like $20 at McDonald's because now I have a family. And it just, marriage is expensive. I didn't know that. Um, and I'm learning to deal with it now, so it's good. Um, and I'm happy to be able to support my wife. But number two, I didn't realize that everyone that I talk to is a marriage expert. Um, and I was wondering why I even went to counseling because everybody that I talked to had such good advice and opinion, and everybody's advice was exactly the same, and it made sense, and it all lined up perfectly. I'm being facetious, and that's not true. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know why uh, I would pay for it because people give me their opinions for free, whether I ask for them or not, right? <laughs> right? Some people told me to have kids right when you, when you get married, um, so that way you can get them out of the house at a, at a nice age, and you can, you can, you know, live the rest of your life when they're out of the house. Some people said, hey, wait five years, travel, do a bunch of stuff. Um, you know, I had our first kid. We, we didn't even get a, a year into marriage, and I wasn't even trying to listen to people. We were just being married. Um <laughs> You know, some people said go to Cabo for a honeymoon. Some people said don't go on the honeymoon. You should take all that money, invest it into a house. Um, I want to tell you what we did. So we did have a honeymoon. We didn't realize this was our honeymoon, but our honeymoon was the day after our wedding. We had a family reunion with her family um, at the exact same place. So it was like two birds, one stone. The family goes, "Hey, we haven't seen each other. Brittany and Jonathan are getting married." why don't we just uh, make this a two-for-one special? So our honeymoon was really spending the week with their family, family reunion, people that I didn't meet. And I'll just tell you this, that my wife's family, her dad's dad, so her grandpa, had 18 brothers and sisters. She's got over 100 first cousins. There's people in her family that I have never met, and I probably will never meet because there's just too many of them. But I got to meet a a healthy handful um, on our honeymoon, so that was awesome, right? So, uh, you know, a lot of marriage experts out there. um, Some advice I follow, some advice I didn't. But one thing that Pastor Mark always told me was that communication is the most important, right? Could we all agree, those who are married? Even those who aren't married communication, the more you can communicate, (laughs) um, the healthier and more uh, uh, vibrant your marriage will be. It's the most important. If a bride and a groom can learn how to consistently and efficiently communicate, their marriage will be strong and unshakable. So if you look into the Bible, since the creation of man, the challenge has always been how do you get a bride and a groom to have constant communication, to have a connection that would lead to communion, right? If they did, powerful things would begin to happen. It would they would begin to accomplish some stuff together. So you might be looking at me and saying, Jonathan, what does this have to do with prayer? Well it has everything to do with prayer. Okay? The the power of prayer is when a bride and a groom are in constant communication with each other. Okay? That's the power of prayer. The bride being the church, right? The groom being Jesus. So the church and Jesus have daily interaction and, and daily fellowship. That's, that's when power begins to really manifest. So that's been, the, that's been the problem, the thing we've been trying to solve since the creation of man. How does a bride and a groom successfully and consistently communicate with each other? Jesus and the church, right? And you make up the church as individuals. So We've forgotten the power and the importance of secret prayer and getting alone with Jesus. All right? Genesis 1:26 says this: that God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they got together, I'm paraphrasing, and they said, Let us make them in our image. Then they went on to say, Let them have full dominion over the earth so we were created to dominate and to be victorious and to be in charge so god took his unlimited power and he limited himself by working through us and giving us the authority and all the power of heaven is at our disposal but the key ingredient here is prayer and simply asking him to do something right that is the key 2 Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and what? Pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Only if, there's some conditions there, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. You know, we like to think that God's going to turn things around magically just because he loves us. I wish it was the case, but we have uh, some participation to do. We have things that we've got to do. First of all, acting in a spirit of humility and getting the pride out of the way, bowing down before him and praying and repenting and consecrating ourselves back to him. Then, and only then, will we get all the other things that we like to talk about, right? Only then. Only then. So let's get back to um, secret prayer, getting alone with God. So no phones, no Facebook, just you in his presence, right? Private prayer. So this type of prayer is a discipline, and as Christians, there are a lot, there are a lot, a, a, a number of disciplines that we need to develop in order to grow, Okay, so the word discipline and disciple, they actually come from the same root word. They're derived from the same word. If you want to be a disciple of Christ, then you have to practice some discipline. Okay, there's no way around it. You have to discipline yourself to come to church when you don't feel like it, right? You have to discipline yourself to lift your hands in worship, you have to discipline yourself to serve and to give. Those are all disciplines that we practice. And we need to start growing in to become more like Christ, to become disciples of Christ. We have to develop these disciplines. But here's one thing, but private or secret prayer is different in that it's one of the few disciplines that gets rid of the need and motive of approval or validation. Okay, Secret prayer is one of the only disciplines that gets rid of that need for validation from other people, Right? Facebook, let's just talk about that for a minute. There's so many social media platforms now. you got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, right? Uh, Snapchat, TikTok. Some of you guys are like, what are those? I don't even know what those are, right? Some of you guys remember before internet. I just remember like dial-up and the terrible noise that it made. Um, And then being on like MSN Messenger trying to talk to a pen pal. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But anyways, there's so many of those now, but we'll, just, we'll stick with Facebook because I think the majority of the people in this room use Facebook, right? And I'm about to step on some toes. But we upload photos, not just for people to see, but for validation, right? I don't want to inform you what I'm doing. I want you to validate what I'm doing, right? That's the truth, and it hurts, but that's the truth. You know, I get it. Some people will say, well, I have Facebook to let my family know what we're doing because they live in Tennessee. That's fine, but the majority of us, including myself, we post anything, it's because you want someone to see what you've done and give you a, a thumbs up, right? A like, or maybe even a heart, you know, or if it's kind of like serious, they, they do the care emoji now, right? Right? We're always seeking approval and validation from others. It's the reason why we have to let everybody know that you worked out, right? You know, the guys taking the selfie in the mirror, getting the angles just right so they look way bigger than they actually are. The girls, they go for a run, and then they post the mileage and what they did, and oh, I see that you ran around City Market two miles there and back. Awesome. It's for validation, (laughs) right? And Facebook knows this, so they've attached that feature where you can give the thumbs up, and you can comment on the photo, right? You upload it in hopes that you get likes and that people validate how beautiful you are or what you're doing is good, right? You know, am I stepping on too many toes? Mine are still good. (laughs) But it's the truth. We're seeking validation from man. So in life, a lot of Christian disciplines, they're not wrong, but it's the motive behind it that's wrong, right? I'm giving so people see how generous I am. Right? I'm lifting my hands in worship so people can see how spiritual I am. I'm praying in public so people can see how articulate I am and, and, and how deep my relationship with God is. Right, The discipline in and of itself isn't a bad thing, but the motive behind why we discipline ourselves can sometimes lead us astray. Right. Hmm. Truth. If we're not careful, we begin to do these things not because we love God, but because we want the thumbs up. We want the Facebook like. We want the validation from man and not God. So Jesus said this, that public prayer, it has its reward. What is its reward? Well, it's a really temporary and selfish reward, and that is recognition from those who hear you, right? When they would pray in the streets, they'd be very loud, and people would go, wow, that person is spiritual. That's about the cap of the reward. People notice you, and maybe they give you an attaboy. He said they have the reward. That's about it. Right? Validation for man. But when you enter into the secret place with him, you're going offline, right? You humble yourself before him, you begin to pray, and your reward. Is Him your reward? Is His presence your reward? Is His full attention? Your reward is validation from your Father, the one that actually matters, the one who created you, the one who's given you purpose and destiny in your life. He's the one who validates you, He confirms those things that He puts in you, He draws them out, He calls them out, and begins to tell you who you really are. You know, I talked about this in corporate prayer a few nights ago, but the, the Bible says, uh, uh, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will come to convict the world of sin and of righteousness so i'm really convinced of this that when we get into the secret place god the holy spirit will convict you of your own righteousness which what is that right standing with christ so when you get in his And when you get into the secret place, he will remind you of who you actually are and how you've been redeemed and bought by the blood and how you are holy and how the blood of Jesus has cleansed your conscience from dead works. And all that filth that tries to pollute your mind and bring you down and and say that you're not worthy when you get into the secret place. That's the validation that edifies you. And when you get out of the secret place, you're totally different. You've been transformed. You've been changed, right? I think William McDowell said this. He said, it's impossible to be in the presence of God and not be changed. You can't be underwhelmed by the presence of God, right? You get his full attention. And here's another reward. How about an answered prayer? Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yeah, wisdom. One minister put it this way. Secret prayer is like the teeth brushing of Christianity. Okay? I'll go into it. Say uh, you brush your teeth twice a day. Those of you fanatics, you do three times a day. You have the little disposable uh, flossing picks in your purse. Great. (laughs) For the normal people, we just do two, two times a day. Okay? Don't tell me if you only do once. Right? And if you skip once, I really have no evidence that you didn't brush your teeth. If you just miss one time, right? I don't have no no evidence, especially if you are talking to me from an acceptable distance and you have a a curiously strong mint in your mouth, I have no idea that you didn't brush your teeth that day, right? You know, or if you're chewing on some gum, you can cover it up for a while, but if you go weeks... Or even months without brushing your teeth, I'll be able to tell in a heartbeat. When you walk in the room, I'm going the other direction. You got food and plaque in your teeth. You've got some, some interesting scents protruding out of your mouth. And uh, I, you've, got, you've got halitosis. And it's clear that you have not brushed your teeth. But that buildup has taken a while. So it's like, like I said, prayer is the, is the spiritual teeth brushing of, of Christianity. So you miss one prayer time. Okay, no big deal. But if you begin to develop a pattern of not being in his presence, you develop spiritual halitosis, right? So, and now, here's, here's the kicker, and now you are facing public humiliation because you've neglected private Hygiene. I'll say that again. You have, you are facing public humiliation because you have neglected private hygiene. And when you neglect the private hygiene of secret prayer with God, you now have spiritual halitosis. Right? You have bad breath, and there's filth, and there's garbage pouring out of your mouth. And I'm not talking about curse words. I'm talking about f- uh, doubt and fear and unbelief and gossip. Right? <laughs> Spiritual garbage coming out of your mouth, right? And you got some bad breath. It's because you've neglected your private time, the secret place times with your father. Am I making sense? So this was this was uh, Jesus' issue with the Pharisees, right? They were really good at, at public prayer. They're, they were really good at covering up their, their own spiritual halitosis with a tic-tac, right? With an altoid, um, which I don't know why this popped into my head, but they used to have these really sweet tin of altoids that were like grapefruit flavored. Does anybody remember those? Yeah. Thank you. See, <laughs> and now they're gone. But anyways, they were really great for when you just needed to cover up your breath right before you were talking to someone. So they were really good at covering up their spiritual halitosis. The Pharisees, they, when he says, hey, don't be like these people, he's talking about the Pharisees. And what they would do is they would have really profound prayers, and, but they would not be really thinking about God until the hour of prayer. So what would happen is in those olden times, in the olden times, the good old days, uh, you know, the time of prayer would come. They'd b- blow the shofar, and then everybody would pray, and that was the Pharisee's moment. But they could be talking about anything and everything up until that point. You know, they could, they could be like, uh, hey, uh, did you see Ehud's uh, tunic today? You know, when he walked into the synagogue, it was, like, open, and the tassels were, it was very unprofessional, right? It was very un- un-Pharisee-like. And then all of a sudden, the shofar would blow, and they'd go, oh, wait, wait. Okay, hold that thought. Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me, the hour of prayer has arrived, let us supplicate through pontification to the creator of the firmament and the clay, we ask before you with ardent humility that she would grant our inquiries. Right, just very, very astute, right? Lots of words, right, pontificate, who says that? (laughs) Pharisees, I'll tell you. Right, but Jesus said, it's those types of prayers that he hates. It's those types of prayers that had nothing to do with him and everything to do with them. Everything to do with them. So this is what he said. Hey, he said, no, 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 don't be like that. Don't be like the heathens. Don't be the people who use a ton of words that they don't even know what they mean and, and, and just to get public recognition. No, you go into the secret place. You go in private because he said, if you go into private, you will have a public reward. And this is what I believe. The public, the public reward of Private prayer is signs and wonders. It's miracles. It's you walking in the supernatural. It's you actually being a Christian, like a real Christian, not someone who's got the fish bumper sticker on their car and a little tattoo on their hip. No, someone who lives and breathes the word and applies it in their lives and sees results. That's the reward of private prayer. Amen? So why did he tell them to do this? Well, I think this is leadership 101, because he was doing it himself. So a good leader is never gonna ask their followers to do something that they're not doing themselves. A good leader will never mandate what they cannot model themselves. Jesus was the perfect example, right? You cannot mandate what you don't model. So countless times in the Bible... You see Jesus going away to pray. He went to the secret place to be alone with God, and his disciples realized this, and they realized this is where, I think this is where he got his power from, right? So if you want powerful results in your life, you need a powerful prayer life and a consistent prayer life, right? Consistency is one of those keys that unlocks the door to the supernatural. When you are consistently faithful to do something over and over and over again, not not out of obligation, Right? But truly, because your heart's in it, man, God honors that, and he sees that, and he rewards that. You know, so Jesus did a, a bunch of things. So, um, you know, I, every time I, I teach, I go into Jonathanology, which is like, I can't really prove this, but I think it's right, and I'm going to share it with you. <laughs> but, you know, Jesus did a bunch of amazing things, and we sometimes, we, we discredit ourselves, and we say, you know what, well, that was Jesus, right i'm not jesus and and guess what he had the spirit without measure i just want to present this to you for your consideration this evening that we have the spirit without measure and here's the deal jesus wasn't walking around with a free pass i believe jesus understood the magnitude of the power that was within him and guess what like, he laid aside his deity. He limited himself, and he came into, in, as the form of a man. So he dealt with all the same things that we dealt with, but yet he overcame because he had the Spirit without measure, but that's because he put in the time and the commitment, and, the, and he consecrated himself. And he realized, if I'm going to do the will of my Father, i got to get my will completely out of the way. And we know he had his own will. We know he didn't want to die on the cross, right? He said it. He was so nervous that he even sweat blood. You know, that's like the most intense form of like anxiety, fear, and panic that you can have. And he was like, uh, God? <laughs> it's like, seriously, it's like there any other way. Like, uh. He said, but... Not my will Your will be done Man Constantly Consecrating himself Constantly Having a checkup From the neck up And making sure That his will Was laid aside For the will of the father And that opened the door For the spirit To operate in his life Without measure And Jesus said this Hey All the stuff you see me doing Pretty cool huh You're going to do that And even greater things So how am I supposed To do greater things Than Jesus If I have a limited Form of the spirit It's not true we have the spirit without measure, but the, the time and attention that you put into your prayer life and into your time with God and into consecrating yourself, you know what, I'm still getting there right? But the people who get the crazy results are the people that you don't hear about because they don't have Facebook, and they don't have Instagram, and they don't care about what the masses say about them. There's people in Africa doing crazy things for Christ, and we don't know about it. You hear about it through circles in church, but you don't hear about it in the news because they don't care about that stuff. Spirit is operating in their life without measure. Amen. Amen? That's just Jonathanology. Right? But the disciples realized that the, the secret to the, the supernatural in, in the life of Jesus was the times that he went away to pray. Right, um, He prayed before healing people. If you look in Luke 5, he prayed before that. He, he prayed before he chose his disciples in Luke 6 before feeding the 5000 and the 4000 in Matthew 14 and 50 15 he prayed before walking on the water in Matthew 14 he prayed before healing a deaf and mute man in Mark 7 he prayed before raising Lazarus from the dead John 11 after he was nailed to the cross while he was dying in his last breath what did Jesus do he prayed you can find that Luke 23 Matthew 27 and again in Luke 23 he prayed before all of the supernatural things that he did The disciples caught on to that. They could have asked for anything. You know, they went to him in uh, in Luke 11. They could have said, hey, Jesus, what have you you been eating, man? Is it something in the wine? Like, how would you walk on that water? No, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. They could have asked him anything. But they asked for the source. You know, sometimes we get caught off guard by consequences or byproducts of certain things and we want those things but you you can't have those things or those things can't be sustained in your life because you haven't actually sought after the right thing which is the source of those byproducts. Does that make sense? So the source of the supernatural and all the stuff that Jesus did was his prayer time, I believe. Amen? So, if you want the the kind of results that Jesus had. Just maybe show of hands, participation. Do you want those types of results in your life? Well, then I think it's important that we learn to pray like Jesus. And I I talked about this in corporate prayer two weeks ago, so if you're in on that, you get a double dose. I believe that we can have that stuff happen today, the supernatural, right, revival, uh, if we know how to pray. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit, and maybe I should have maybe went through this at the beginning, but I want to break down prayer... At its most basic form, what is prayer? Well, it's simply a conversation with God. It's praising Him. It's thanking Him. It's committing things to Him. It's consecrating things to Him. It's asking Him to meet your needs or someone else's needs. Right? We need to, to pray about everything and, and anything. And, and, and as for Christians, prayer should be like breathing, which would mean it's easier to do than not to do. Right? It's hard to hold your breath right? And some of us are no show of hands. It's hard to pray. <laughs> like, oh, you asked me to pray. You know, some of us, our, our, our extent of our prayer is, uh, Lord, thank you for this food. <laughs> Help us to have a good day. And amen, right? That's not bad. But if you're seeking the supernatural, we're going to have to get a little bit more in depth with our prayers. So it should be like breathing. Easier to do than not to do so here's a few points on why we pray okay why do we pray well i just went into it it's how we communicate it's how we build a relationship with our father it's a direct line to heaven and every time that i teach i can't help i always come back to the tabernacle and the priests in the old testament and the, and we we being priests today and pastor tasha talked about that this morning and if you ha- if you weren't here this morning get the mp3 just go on the podcast this week it'll be up and you can you can hear what she was talking about and how the uh, uh, how the, the the armor the breastplate had the the rubies that, that or the the jewels the gems whatever you want to call them that signified the 12 tribes of israel and, and the priests were the intercessors and us as priests today we intercess and we have people in our heart ah, it was just really good you gotta listen to this morning's message but um uh, what was I going to say? Okay, it's a direct line to heaven. So in the Old Testament, there was only one tribe of Israel that had priests, right? That was the tribe of Levi. And only a few of them were the priests. And they had to go through all the rituals, right, to get into the get into the tabernacle. And they had to follow, like, a bunch of rules. And if they didn't follow those, they would die. And you think, man, God's really harsh. Well, no. It's just God is holy and man is not. And when you screw things up, bad things happen. But... Uh, Now, we are the temple of of, of God. We house the Holy Spirit. We house the presence of God. And we don't have to go through all those rituals anymore. We have a direct line and direct access to our Father whenever, wherever. It's a beautiful thing. I love it. And the reason why we don't drop dead is because Jesus was the mediator. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for us. So even though we still sin, Jesus didn't, and Jesus covered that. And so when we going in, when we go into the holy place, we're, we're, we're basically, we're going in with Jesus, right? And that's the reason. And anyways, I just love talking about that stuff. Um, if you ever go to coffee with me, we want, want to talk for a long time. That's the subject um, to bring up. Uh, all right, two. It's a command, right? Luke 18, Jesus said that he desired all men to pray everywhere at all times, okay? It's a command, right? Jesus said this, when you pray, not if you pray, okay? So those are the first two. It's how we communicate, and it's a command. Number three, um, it's how God supplies our needs, right? James 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, I'll read in the NLT. says this, if you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him, and he will gladly tell you. He will not resent your asking. That's a good thing. You ever feel like you ask, like like when I was a kid, I asked like way too many questions in school and I'd be like, I know, <laughs> I know you're gonna hate me for this, but I got one more question. Uh, Jonathan, seriously. Uh, but it's so nice to know that your heavenly father will never resent you asking again and again and again. He's not gonna, he's not gonna think you're crazy. He's not gonna think that you just need to write it down because this is the fifth time I told you. No, he loves to answer the questions he loves to supply our needs if we ask according to his will right he will grant us those things so it's how God supplies our needs uh number four it makes power available James 5 16 and I'll read it out of the amplified it's my favorite version of this says the earnest heartfelt continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available dynamic in its working ah that's a good that's a good one to read over and over again the earnest heartfelt continued right consistency prayer of a righteous man or woman right makes tremendous power available dynamic in its working and number five it's an invitation right pastor tasha touched on this a little bit this morning it's an invitation and here's the flash for you prayer does not inform god it invites him say that again prayer does not inform God it invites him because Jesus what did Jesus say when he got to the end of that scripture he says for God the father knows what you need before you even ask him Uh, and you're like why am I asking him because he needs your permission to be involved in the process right he limited himself Uh, The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. God isn't just out there moving chess pieces, right? He responds and operates according to how people pray and where faith is present, right? That's how God works in society. So prayer doesn't inform God. It involves him. So where we usually get hung up on is, is not whether we believe in the power of prayer But it's the, the, the process of prayer how, how do we do it, right? I, I, youth, I, I, I youth pastored for 11 years And I would have kids come up to me sometimes And they go, Jonathan, I need, you to, I need you to help me We need to pray And i go, perfect You pray and I'll agree And they go, um and, and they wouldn't know But it's not because they, they don't believe in the power of prayer Otherwise they wouldn't be asking me They just are getting hung up in the process How do I do it? Right? So Jesus really lined that out for us, okay? We're gonna break it down a little bit. We're going to learn from the best prayer that ever was, right? And I wanna shed some light on how we can pray like Jesus. So let's, let's go into Matthew 6 again. Verse, verse 6, he says, "'But you, when you pray, go into your room. "'And when you have shut the door, "'pray to your Father who is in the secret place, "'and your Father who sees in secret "'will reward you openly.'" And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. FYI, the Lord's Prayer is a vain repetition. <laughs> uh, therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Um, so, and then he goes on, verse 9, he says, In this manner, therefore, pray. And then he, and then he goes on to pray, um, the famous lord's prayer but manner just means this manner means method style approach technique right so the lord's prayer although many of us have been taught to memorize it which is fine it's not a magic formula okay it doesn't make everything better it doesn't make the evil spirit go away even though you watched that horror movie and that's what happened right <laughs> it, what jesus was trying to do was give us some ingredients right and give us a process in a manner he says hey Here's an outline. This is how I want you to do it. Please don't repeat it word for word because you avoid it of all power if you do that. But there's a process in what we pray. And again, when we understand the process, we're really reverencing and honoring the heavenly tabernacle. Because like I said, we now are able to go into the throne room whenever we want, but there's still a process involved. Jesus paid such a high price. He shed his blood. And for us to just waltz in and just be like, hey, God, I need something. Isn't very honoring. So there is a process. And Jesus lined that out. He gave us some ingredients. And he wants to help us have uh, successful and powerful prayer times that, that um, garner results in our lives. Amen. So we'll just go ahead and read it. And then we'll all pray it together. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, was, I remember being in school and... I was at a funeral of um, an atheist, and, no, and it was a candlelight service, and nobody knew what to do. And so one person says, I think we all should say the Lord's Prayer. And so we, at this candlelight service of an atheist, we all um, said the Lord's Prayer, which was cool and interesting at the same time. All right, so he says this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. You know it just kind of hits different in the King James. I should have read it in the King James because you got the these and the thous, and that's how we all memorized it, anyways. But that's okay. Um, so he's laying out a process right here, and the first part of the process of prayer is adoration. And worship, okay? Write these things down. Whenever you pray, your first thing that you should always do is worship God. Uh, adoration and worship. So he says, Our Father, right? It's personal. He's our dad, right? He's not some power that's far off in the cosmos, some commander that uh, 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 corrects uh, and, you know, and, and enforces out of fear. No, it's personal, it's relational. He's our dad. He loves us, and we love him. You know, I adore my two daughters. And I hope, I think, I'd like to believe that they adore me too, right? But it's personal, right? We need to understand that, yes, he is God, the creator of the universe. But in his majesty, he still cares about us as sons and daughters, right? Our father, adoration, it's personal, right? And it says, in heaven, it's his position, recognizing and acknowledging his position in our lives. He is above our problems. He is above our circumstances, and he is seated high above. He is creator. Jesus is king. So when we say that, our Father, who art in heaven, we're worshiping him and acknowledging his position. We should be doing that every time that we pray, okay? Hallowed be your name. That's worship. Holy Or hallowed means holy or sanctified, right? It's worship, it's honor. Jesus started his prayers that way. He's saying that. If he said, hey, I want you to pray like this, it's really important that every time that we pray, we acknowledge him for who he is and how holy and awesome he really is. And if you don't, is it like all screwed up? I don't know, but why risk it? (laughs) Um, It's just good to do so. It gets you in the right perspective, Right, it puts you in a proper place. Right? Sometimes we enter into the secret place with our view of our problem up here and God like down here, and then we get upset because we, we don't feel like he can do anything about it. And when we do that, we shift our perspective and we put God here and we put our problem down here. Make sense? So, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. That's acknowledging authority, right? His authority in my life. Not my will, but your will be done. When we go into the secret place, our primary goal is to come out with a proper revelation of His will for our lives. Not a clarification of what I want and God better meet it. No, when I go into the secret place, my desire is to abandon my will and take up His will. Amen? Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. That's authority. And he says, give us this day our daily bread. That's provision. We can say this is the part in the process where we present our need to the Father. Okay? So, I just again, um, just uh, acknowledging the proper process. You know, if I, if I waltz in to the holy place and just immediately present my need, it's very disrespectful. Um, it's just not proper right? It's not proper priest protocol. We are priests unto our God. So we first acknowledge who he is, his position, his will, then we can present our need to him, right? Give us this day our daily bread, provision. Um, Then it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? We need forgiveness. So when we present our needs to him, it's always good to acknowledge our own wrongdoings, our own faults, our own things that can be stopping up the process and stopping up the flow, right? If I I need healing in my body and I always ask God for healing but never acknowledge what might be stopping up the healing flow, which could be bitterness and unforgiveness in my own life, in my own life, I will be beating my head against the wall. I'll be getting frustrated thinking that God's not answering my prayers when he goes, hey, you just, you've got something that's blocking up the flow, and I need you to acknowledge it, and when you do, I will gladly cleanse you and wash you of that. He says this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and what did Jesus say? He says, if you can't forgive someone, neither can my Father in heaven. So your unforgiveness literally halts the forgiveness of God in being an operation in your life. That almost sounds like blasphemy. What are you saying? God won't forgive you? Well, if you can't forgive somebody else, I'm just going off of what scripture says. It says that God can't forgive you, right? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We need forgiveness. We're going to screw up. And he goes on to say this, lead us not into temptation, right? God tempts no one, But he can protect. So this is the protection portion. Let me start from the top. So we have adoration and worship, then authority, then provision, then forgiveness. Now we're on to the protection aspect. Lead us not into temptation. So God tempts no one, but he can protect. And I believe that's the, the conviction and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Lead us not into temptation. So, you know, again, last time I taught this message, I was teaching it to some youth students, so I had some examples of how God leads you not into temptation, right? So if you want God to not lead you into temptation, then you'll delete that number, right? You'll delete that Snapchat. If you adults are on Snapchat, uh, cool, I guess. (laughs) Just, hey, don't go there. Don't talk to that person. Don't watch that movie, Those are very practical things in our lives that we are failing at time and time and time again, right? Don't linger on that person's Facebook page for too long to dig up dirt on them, right? Don't do it. Stop texting that person. Delete that number, right? Forget about it. Don't harbor that offense. That's how God leads you not into temptation. You could pray it this way. God, lead us away from temptation. See, I can tempt myself pretty easily. We're drawn away. That's what Peter says. We're drawn, or James. We're drawn away, is it Peter? By our own desires. The Bible says that. <laughs> uh, so God, lead us away from temptation. God, you take the reins. Because so, when I lead myself... It's straight towards temptation and my my desires lead me away and I I don't want that that junk in my life, right? Then he goes on to say, deliver us from evil. It's still protection because when we are tempted, inevitably we will be tempted and inevitably we will fall and we will be in a trap, but God still can deliver us. Amen? That's the beautiful thing about mercy, forgiveness, and grace, right? And I'll say this again because I love what Pastor Marshall Townsley said, mercy gives you a new opportunity and grace fills it with success. And that's a beautiful thing. Mercy of God, forgiveness, picks you up out of that pit and then the grace helps you not to fall in it again. Amen? And then he goes on to say, yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, right? That's another declaration of worship. It says, ending your prayer with putting the focus back on God, right? Sometimes when we get an answered prayer, we think it was all us, right? We get a little prideful, and it, but this keeps us, it puts us back into a place of remembrance, right? God, this is for your kingdom, and it's not for my, by my power, but yours, and it's all for your glory, right? So I'll, I'll just break that down again. The Lord's prayer, right, is a process. It's an ingredient list in a a way that we should pattern our own prayers. So it starts with adoration and worship. Then it recognizes and acknowledges his authority. Then we present our needs to him. Then we ask for forgiveness and we humble ourselves once again, right? We ask for his protection. We thank the Holy Spirit for leading us in the way that we should go. And then we declare his authority and give him all the worship and the honor once again. And that's how you pray done deal. Right? Shouldn't be too complicated, but we muddy up the waters, and we just do a bunch of things that don't mean anything, and and we get upset. And let, let me just tell you this, that the problem is never on God's end. Okay? It isn't. It's always on our end, or things that we can't see. You know, I think of Daniel, right? When he prayed and fasted, it took 21 days for the prayer, for the answer to get to him. And then what did the angel say? He's like, man, (laughs) this guy was fighting some battles getting to you, man. There's a lot of things in the spirit, in the unseen realm, right? The unseen realm is what created the seen realm. So it's even more real than this pulpit. And he said, there's a lot of things going on that you're not aware of, but thank you for persisting in prayer. And here's the thing, When when we don't see our our prayers answered right away you know i think it was mark hankins who preached this and it was a it was a message called uh return to sender address unknown and so your voice is your address in heaven and so you pray something out and the answer might have been sent immediately and you have no idea what's going on you know jesus even said that we're battling against not not flesh and blood but against unseen enemies spiritual forces just a lot of junk right and if we get upset and we stop praying, it's like our address just like went off the radar, and like the and the angels like, mm. <laughs> I think of that. <laughs> Never mind, I'm not gonna say. It, um, it was a meme, but anyways, <laughs> he knows. Uh, yeah, the angels probably going like, where am I supposed to take this package again? Uh, but when we consistently are praying, um, it keeps our address online. Uh, but anyways there's things that are going on that we don't see, and there's things in our own own lives that we we don't recognize or we choose not to recognize. Um, That's what ignorance is. It's like willful, um, what is the word? No, that's what stupidity is. Willful ignorance, I'll say that. Um, When you choose not to acknowledge something in your life, you're only hurting yourself. And then you blame God and you get so upset. You go like, what, what's the deal, man? Like, and then you even get down the road of questioning whether God's even real or not. Because you won't even acknowledge the unforgiveness in your life. Or that, that little thing. And just, I encourage you tonight, go into the secret place. Quiet yourself. And this is a terrible, well, it's not terrible. It's a very uh, intense prayer to pray. God, tell me what I need to change. And he will. And a lot of times you'll be like, what did I just do? Because <laughs> they'll tell you to change the things that you want to hold on to the most. But those are the things that are stopping up, um, whether it be healing in your life, um, um, you know. And sometimes, man, I'll just say this too. Sometimes, you know, when we intercede for people, some, that person that you're interceding for doesn't have, uh, you know, can't do it on their own, right? Sometimes that person might be sick, they might, even, they might even be in a coma, or they're just, they're just so far away from God that, like, them reaching him, like, good luck. And you're interceding for them, but, like, nothing is happening because you have something in your life. And you're thinking, like, God, I'm praying for this person. Like, you're working with them, right? But, like, he's working with you, and if you have something in your life, then, like, the intercession process is, like, stopped. And so you're, like, affecting more than just you. And I'm just kind of rambling now, but it's important to understand the power of of secret prayer, going into your prayer closet and not neglecting spiritual hygiene, right? What did we say earlier? You will face public humiliation if you neglect spiritual hygiene. And it's in those times of spiritual hygiene that when we are out in public, we are rewarded with the supernatural and with answered prayers, and so it's so important. And we're going to spend a few minutes to pray. I know we just talked about secret prayer, but we're going to pray corporately. Um, and it's not to, to uh, be all flashy and, and see how wonderful we can pray. But um, I do, I just think there's awesome power in corporate prayer. And so corporately, we will pray about ourselves. Make sense? Uh, <laughs> and I want you to pray out loud what it is you're working on. I'm just kidding. Um, you guys can just follow along. I'll pray it. Uh, It won't be too long. Um, Did you get anything out of that? I was kind of here and there. As Mark Hankins would say, I was like a fat man in a barbed wire fence, a point here and a point there. Um, That's a joke. You can laugh. It's totally fine. All right, why don't you stand up with me? And we will go ahead and pray a little bit. Father God, we come before you in the mighty, matchless, and majestic name of Jesus. And God, we acknowledge you for who you are. First and foremost, you are our Father. We thank you that we have received the spirit of adoption in which we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy, God. We love you, and we acknowledge you as our Father. I thank you that you have relationship with us. You chose to make yourself known. We don't have some altar dedicated to the unknown God, but you have made Yourself known to us, and it is in you, and it is through you, and in you that we move, we live, we breathe, we have our very being. Our sense of uh, 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 of identity is found in you, our Father. And I thank you that you are imparting uh, uh, identity and destiny to each and every one of us, Father. I pray that we would get a greater understanding of you as our Father. That we would have the intimacy and that relationship, that depth of relationship with you and your spirit that koinonia that fellowship that joint partnership that you so desire to have with us. I thank you that you are our father and I thank you that you are seated high above. Nothing surprises you, nothing shocks you. You are seated above every situation and every single circumstance. And when we get that proper perspective, the divine heavenly perspective, our problems become way less overwhelming because we know that we serve a God who is overwhelming. And you even said in in the, in, in Hebrews our God is a consuming fire. I thank you that you have the ability and the power, and not just the ability and the power, but the willingness to destroy those problems, to consume those things that need to be consumed by the fire of God. I thank you so much for who you are and your willingness to interact with us and to help us in our time of need, Father God. I thank you so much for who you are. We praise you. We praise you, Lord Jesus, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we choose to serve you. You are our Lord. When I say that, that means that you are master of my life. We acknowledge your authority in our lives, not our will, but your will be done. I pray, Father God, that we have a greater understanding and a greater revelation of your will for our lives, that the eyes of our understanding would be flooded with light, that it would be enlightened, that we would understand the hope of our calling, that it would inspire hope in us to fulfill that calling when you birth it on the inside of us, that we would understand that we're called to great and mighty things. I don't exist to collect a paycheck and die one day. I exist to have a life of significance for the kingdom of God and to bring others into kingdom of God. You told us this to occupy until you come. And if I'm going to occupy, that means I got to have some understanding of my authority and my dominion here on the earth. You said, behold, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. Keys represent authority. So I thank you that I have authority not to execute my will in my life, but to execute your will. So I thank you that the eyes of my understanding are being enlightened to your will, the hope of our calling, Father God, and that I would understand the glorious inheritance that I have in you. I thank you that each and every person in this room has a mighty inheritance. And I'm not talking about physical material wealth. I'm talking about inheritance all the things that you died for on the cross. I thank you, Father God, that we can live and operate in those things that you purchased for us. I thank you that I can operate in perfect peace in the name of Jesus. I thank you right now for the peace of God which surpasses all understanding to guard hearts and minds in this room this evening. I thank you for peace, that wrap around presence of God to consume and surround people uh, this evening, Father God. I can just see right now that there are people... who are being tormented in their mind, they're being tormented in their thought life, but the peace of God, I pray that we would let the peace of God rule and reign in our hearts and in our minds, Father God. I pray that we don't have to figure everything out, that we don't have to have an answer for every single thing, why this didn't happen, and why that person got the promotion, and why that person didn't get healed, and what, whatever it is, Father, I pray that your peace surrounds us, it guards our hearts, it guards our mind, and in turn that we would, we, we were able to to uh, clear the mechanism and, and kind of get all that junk out of the way that we would, that we would uh, focus on the right types of things, Father. Like you said in Philippians 4, to is pure and holy and noble of good report, whatever's praiseworthy, that we would begin to meditate on those things, that we would be heavenly minded, that we would think on things that are above that we would think on things that, uh, that you're concerned with, Father God, eternal things. You know, it's okay to pray for the, the temporary things, but if that's my main focus, I'm so near sighted. I'm going to run into something, right? I have to be heavenly-minded. I have to be eternally-minded. So I thank you. In the process of getting that divine perspective, it's seeing out beyond today. It's seeing eternity. What matters for eternity, right? What matters for eternity? I pray that we would be concerned with those things, Father God. And right now, I just pray, you, there's a lot of things going on in a lot of people's lives. You know the needs that need to be met, Father. So I just pray, I thank you that every promise in God has its yes and its amen. It's, it doesn't have its yes and its maybe or its no or heck no, right? It has its yes and its amen. So I pray, Father God, right now that as we present our petitions and our needs to you, that you are willing and able to meet and grant those needs, Father God, because you love us, right? I'm reminded of that song that says you because you love. You do everything out of a heart of compassion and empathy because you love your children. So I thank you, Father God, because of that deep. Uh, unconditional love for us that you meet needs, Father God. So whatever it is, whether it needs, people need healing in their body uh, or there's, there's uh, physical, financial need, whatever it is, Father God, I thank you that you are meeting those needs and you're meeting them in your will, in your timing, and that we wouldn't grow impatient, right? What Pastor Mark talked about, PPE, that we would have some patience and some perseverance and some endurance to see it through to the long haul. That we wouldn't grow weary in our in our prayer life, Father. That we would consistently, uh, continually pray for those things that are according to your will. And we know that if we pray according to your will, that you hear us. And if you hear us, we know that you will... You will answer what we ask of you, Father God, because it lines up with your word. So I just pray right now for those things. We know healing is according to your word, Father God. We know that prosperity is according to your word. You say uh, that, that we would prosper even as our soul prospers, and you have pleasure in the prosperity of your servant, Father God. So whether it be a physical need or a financial need or even an emotional need, right, all of those things are according to your word. So we pray those things in confidence and in faith, knowing that you are a God who still answers answers, prayers today. We thank you for it. And right now, Father God, we pray uh, just as we have asked you for these things, we acknowledge our own hearts and our own lives, Father God, that we pray that you would create in us clean hearts that are not calloused. We, I thank you that you uh, uh, remove the, the heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh that is open and that is vulnerable and that is, that is willing to receive correction from you, Father God. I pray whatever it is that we wouldn't be so uh, that we wouldn't hold on to those things so dearly that it would cause our prayers to be stopped, Father. Whatever it is, those things that need to be addressed, those things that we haven't talked about in years, right? that we could address those things together. So I think that's beautiful. You know, that's, that's part of the joint fellowship with you, Father God, is that when, when, when we go on a journey uh, with you to, to discover those things, we do it together. And I, I just think about, you know, the, those things that I haven't, those emotional things in my heart that I haven't explored for years and, and that maybe we're kind of afraid of. Jesus, you take us by the hand. And you say, let's address these things together. And let's, 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 let's paint the walls together, right? Let's address the backyard together, right? Uh, it's, it's all about doing things together. It's, it's covenant. I thank you, Father God, that you're not just there to call out our mistakes, but we address them together, and that you refine us, and, and you make us pure and holy, Father God. And I pray that we would, again, embrace refining process with you, Father God. I want uh, the refining process to take place so that what is left over is something pure and valuable and that my faith is refined so I can better serve you and better please you and better believe you for things, Father God. I just thank you so much for that process. We embrace it. You said you correct whom you love, and I know that you love me, and I love you, and if I love you, I will embrace the correction. So thank you, Father God, for forgiving us as we forgive other people. So show us right now that person in our life or persons, you know, uh, whatever. I just pray Uh, you reveal that to us and that we would make those things right again. Um, That person that we need to have that conversation with. Uh, You're reminding me of someone right now. Um, Yeah, I'll do that. Thank you, Lord. Whoever it is, Father. Help us and give us the grace. Give us wisdom. Give us words to speak, Father God, that we would be able to operate in a way uh, that is loving and compassionate and that when we, Im- when we have to talk with that person, whether it's uh, for- forgiving them or seeking forgiveness from them, Father God, I thank you that you, Holy Spirit, you are involved in that process and that uh, you, can, you can alleviate f- the friction of altercation. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the Spirit of God helping uh, in, 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 those, in those, uh, those things that need to take place, those altercations, those, those confrontations that need to take place, Father God. And the result would be healing and forgiveness, not, uh, you know, uh, opening up another wound. <laughs> I thank you, Father God, that healing and forgiveness would take place out of that. So I thank you, Father God, oh, that you're helping us uh, live a life without offense. in in, in Jesus name and again we acknowledge you for who you are Lord Jesus we put the focus back on you